Welcome back, Ford Explorers. Before we get into this week's episode, we want to remind you that we do have social media. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have a Patreon. If you want to support us, get a subliminal shout-out. Most importantly, we have our hotline. Typically, we tell you a story. We want you to tell us a story. So call us or send us a text over there and tell us your craziest ghost story, high story, mystery, miss story, and uh, enjoy this week's episode. See you guys. Hello, and welcome back, Ford Explorers, to this, the Acid Cat Spirit Hour. I'm in good spirits today. Good spirits. Didn't even mean that shit. Just came out of me. How are you, Caleb? <laughs> I am all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. By the way, this is Caleb. I'm the colonel, if you guys don't know. We do have some new uh, listeners, viewers, after the Gwen Shamblin case, definitely, for sure, and then the Rust case as well. Yep. So welcome, everybody. Welcome. We are, we are the Acid Cat Spirit Hour. Uh, if you're one of my mom's students that I heard she sent over here, uh, <laughs> ask her for extra credit. Tell her I told you it was okay. Yep. We uh, <laughs> offer that from the show. Um, but yeah, no, some spooky stuff on the ghost front. Yeah, how's the ghost report for this week? Um, so I felt something touch my neck last night. Really Ooh, freaked me out. Was it your new mullet? It might have been my new mullet. Everybody but... leave a, a heart eyes in the comments <laughs> for Caleb's new haircut. But yeah, I was standing there talking, uh, and it felt like someone someone grabbed my neck. Um, <laughs> uh, the other day, we had a couple of people sitting... Um, with their backs to the back section of the bar where we get the most activity. And one guy was like, are there other people here? And uh, we were like, no. And he goes, cool, cool, cool. Because someone was just doing something behind me. <laughs> we're like, yeah, that's pretty par for the course here. Did he say it was male or female? Uh, he didn't He didn't see anyone. He just okay. like, you know when you like. We're not, a, a, we're not misgendering the ghosts, by the way. It's just how we know them. Um. Like when you feel like someone's like walking behind you or like staring at you behind you, he said he felt that feeling. He didn't see anything. He just felt that feeling. That to me, that's more the vibe of the bald guy because I feel like the bald guy stands. Yeah. Whereas the lady walks around the bar and stuff. The lady does walk around. She, I, like I said, <laughs> you're gonna um, have to be besties with this lady. You oh share yeah. Share a workplace. I think we're fine. I think she's stoked to see me. So does our newest bartender. Is like pretty sure. That the lady ghost is always stoked to see me. I mean, everybody she's like, else is. She's like, I've been here for a couple hours already and nothing's happened. And as soon as you parked your car, the lights started changing. And I was like, hey, man, the ghost is just stoked that I'm here. Yeah, they're happy to see you. They're happy you're... They're like, yeah, somebody who understands us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so my first story. Uh, I wanted to talk first and foremost. Uh, speaking of Rust, we've been talking about Rust for two weeks. Oh, also, if anybody is curious about where the episode went last week... Uh, because we're so close to the case, we actually had to unlist it and sort of move some things around. And that's going to come out this weekend as well. So there'll be a little bonus episode from last week to go along with this one. Um, but this time we're talking not about Rust, the operation system, Rust, the formation of oxygen, none of that. We're talking about Rust, the video game. Yes. The Or more specifically, the PC game called a video game. is a little boomer. Uh, Rust is, you know, I don't know, how would you explain it? It's sort of like PUBG, but... You know, it's very it's a survival role player game. Yeah, it's a it's an open world survival game where basically you start with nothing, you gain supplies, kinda like Minecraft, but then it becomes very like territorial and 
I don't want to say gang, but it is gang. It is. Well, yeah, it's very apocalyptic. Yeah. And so, because of that, there has to be, like, a lot of accountability from the game team because the mods are very busy. They have a, It's a team that is left with a lot of moderation because where the game doesn't have rules, they have to place them. Mm-hmm. So because of that and because the core group behind the game of Rust have been unresponsive, the entire moderation team for the game walked off yesterday. They're done. They're currently striking. They're not all quitting, but that's a pretty crazy circumstance to have. It's just entirely unmoderated. The the chats are going to be terrible. The servers are going to be terrible. Just full of cheaters. Yeah, good luck to all of our Rust-playing friends out there for the next few months. It's going to fucking suck, but, you know, it's a weird situation. It's digital strikes. You know, we've talked about digital versions of plagues and stuff on the show when we talked about the blood curse from WoW and, you know, odd Odd little things happen in gaming occasionally that reflect on what we talk about, but usually gaming is just something we do. In this case, it's interesting to see a very direct walkout related to a game. I've never seen uh, a group of moderators strike like that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of what happened. We talked about this a little bit last or two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever. When Rich Kayanka died, when Lotax died, we talked about that a little bit because I had never seen a forum before. You know, Rich didn't own it until he died. He had to give it up when it was revealed that he was a wife beater and all this other shit. And it was very cool to see the forum, the moderation team all come together and be like, yeah, get him the fuck out of here. Yeah. This is our place, not just his place. Let's fix this. And it, you know, it's made it a better place. Plus, he's dead now. Rest in piss. So what's your second story? Or your first story? Shit, I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> uh, my first story is uh, the SpaceX, SpaceX crew that's currently in the International Space Station uh, should be coming back down to Earth this weekend. Uh, and they have one little hiccup. Well, they've had multiple hiccups. Yeah, they've had quite a few hiccups. Uh, many of the hiccups were, one, the weather wasn't permitting them to come back as soon as they thought, so they've been halted. Uh, they also had an undisclosed medical issue with one of the crew members. Dude, being on like a... <laughs> I was just momentarily trying to think of like the worst plane delays I ever get on. And it's when you're like in the Caribbean or somewhere like that or like in the South Pacific and you're on a tiny island and the one plane that flies in and out is like, no, I'm not going to fly today. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, shit. That's kind of shitty. But these guys are stuck in space. They're which, stuck in space. As tantalizing as that is, is also very scary. Yeah. Um, and they're supposed to be making their way back uh, either Friday or uh, later this weekend. And the one big hiccup that's approaching is their toilet's broken. <laughs> Shitter's full. Uh, so, yeah, the um, toilet on their capsule is broken. So they will have to wear diapers for the entire departure from the International Space Station. Dude, it's imagine going to space and being like, I went to fucking space. And when you come back, you're imagining that sick ass, you're going to do what Bezos did, throw on a fake cowboy hat and walk in slow motion like it's Armageddon. But you're going to have to waddle because your diaper's all full of piss and shit. Imagine you, you went to space. You're the only one of your friends who's ever been to space I mean, I know some people that haven't even left the state that they were born in. And you now, get there yeah, and you're like, your homies are going to know you shit your pants. What's up, space shitter? And it's like, God damn it. Guys, I went to space. Yeah, and you shit yourself too, <laughs> fucking pants shitter. It's like, guys, come on. I had, a, I had a buddy. I should say buddy, just a kid. You know, one of the friend group when I was a kid and there was a birthday party and like he was showing off all day and he was like a big deal. And then that night, his name was Jason. And that night he pissed the bed. 
I don't think that left everybody. I, I think, you know, people joked about it till he left town when he was like 18. You know, it's something you get chased out of town for, which is terrible. I'm definitely not advocating shaming bedwetters. But if you were going to go to space, the like accolade of it, it's like, here's yeah. your Nobel <laughs> Prize. And then you go on stage and you've clearly Nobel yourself. Piss Prize. Yeah, like. <laughs> uh, that's like uh, a friend of ours uh, went to high school with a guy who who pooped his pants and he's like still lives in the same town and, and runs like a local business and has billboards and stuff all over the place. And people are like, Oh dude, it's poopy pants. <laughs> well, it's like, and they're like in their thirties now and they're still like, Oh, what's up? It's poopy pants. He'll always be the dude who shit himself. It's like Caitlin Bennett, you know, like <laughs> the Liberty hangout girl. She's like the most outspoken conservative and has all these things for people to say about her, or have opinions about her. Number one thing is, you know that girl shit her pants once and it just At comes a party? up every <laughs> single time and I think that's amazing. It It's so funny how one tiny thing can just like ruin a reputation. You I could, think it speaks to how people care about uh, shitting and pissing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot of stuff you can get away with, you booger eater. But if you shit your pants, you could like save a family from a burning building. <laughs> but if you came but out if you, like, pants. No, like you popped a boner while you did it, you're like carrying this family out and you're like hard and people are like, dude, it's boner guy. And he's like, I just saved an apartment building boner full of man. people. And they're boner like, man. boner man, funny boner man. <laughs> we just described all of Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, I just saved this family from a burning building. Oh, yeah, well, you popped a boner while carrying a child. You fucking pedophile. <laughs> and it's like, guys. Oh, wait, we just described Elon Musk. Never mind. <laughs> I just saved a bunch of kids trapped in a mine. Pedophile. Yeah. Why are you saving kids, huh? Yeah, is it because you want to fuck them? <laughs> There's no way this... this we, we've had algorithms. Anyways, <laughs> this is going to be so much worse. Speaking now that we have no money coming to this podcast. Speaking of changing history, uh, so one of the things that... Seemed like a great idea when they built it, but turns out isn't because the water is rising drastically, is the Smithsonian. So the American Museum uh, at the Smithsonian and all of its campuses that are in D.C. currently face, uh, you know, that like, oh, well, if it goes up one degree, who fucking cares? The Smithsonian. The Smithsonian <laughs> cares because it will be underwater at that point. <laughs> so they're coming up with a few different ideas. I mean... <laughs> This feels very much like a veggie burger kind of solution. Like you know what you have to do. You know exactly what you have to do. Yeah, pick that fucker up and move it out of town. But you don't want to do that because if you do that, you admit that this is a very serious problem. And now we're actually going to have to put all our money and efforts towards fixing it. They're like, uh, we're going to raise Washington, D.C. 15 feet in the air. And they're like, uh, that seems... Why? Well, it's definitely not because of climate change, which is a Chinese hoax. It's because... I don't know. The moles need more headroom. I don't. There's the a lot of people. We need more room for graves. We're running out of dirt for graves. <laughs> Just an even worse problem. Yeah, man. No, we got to raise the whole entire city. Why? Is it because we're at risk for being flooded? Nah, man. Too many people are dying. <laughs> oh, that's worse. <laughs> it's like, well, Seattle, if you go down to historic Seattle when they first built Built when they first built Seattle, BLT, and they made it out of bacon. When you get down to the bottom of like second by the stadium there, um, like down the street from Pike Place, Pike, Pike Place Market, from Pike Place Market, there's an artificial um, 
I guess floor is the way to put that. Like the road is a story and a half above where the road originally was. And that's because while there is dirt down there, they had a tremendous issues with flooding. And it's pretty cool because you can walk underneath and those buildings, the facades go all the way down. So you think the building ends at the street level, but there's like another two stories of it. You're looking at the third floor, not the first floor, yeah. which is pretty cool underground. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I mean, my immediate thought to you was why don't we just put it with NORAD? Like if we're worried about it being in danger, we'll just put it where the other thing that we're worried about being in danger is put it there. Then the Smithsonian could track Santa every year. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I don't know where they're going to put put it in Arizona in the first Transformers movie or the second one, whichever one. And they're fighting in the Smithsonian. Yeah. There's a scene where they break out the back and they're suddenly in this giant, they're in the boneyard, which is actually in Tucson. It's this giant air. It's the largest domestic military aircraft graveyard. It's really cool because it's got a bunch of air force ones and jets and stuff. It's really cool to walk around, but the giant fucking robots roll out and they're fighting and everybody in Tucson's like, well, that's not behind the Smithsonian. Maybe it could be. Maybe we make Michael Bay's vision complete and we bring the Smithsonian to Tucson, Arizona so that space robots can fight in it. Because, yeah, yeah, I I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. That's a big problem. And it's less that it's a big problem. I shouldn't say it's less that it's a big problem. What interests me is less the convention of flooding, which at this point we're concerned about with every coastal area. And more, where are we going to put it? Leave it in the comments where you think they should put it. But I legitimately have no clue where they should put it. I mean, it's a... And do they stop there? Do they pick up the Washington? Well, the Washington Monument will be fine. It'll just be shorter and out in the middle of the water. Like that uh, the Japanese Dream Gate that's at um, <laughs> Hiroshima, not Nagasaki. Yeah, the one that's out in the water. Yeah. The tide comes in it and covers it up. Just a big old obelisk coming out of the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll go viral in 100 years when they forget <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Um, my last story before we get into the main topic of today is... The meat and the search for Jimmy Hoffa has a new lead. Uh, and I would like to point out, it is not our our sworn enemies, the case breakers. Yeah, so um, there were these interviews with a man uh, by the name of Frank Coppola, who he said he worked, he was a teenager in the 70s, he said he worked at uh, the PJP landfill in Jersey City with his Paul, uh, father, Paul. And when his father was dying on his deathbed in 2008, he said to his son, he says, yeah, Jimmy Hoffa's body was delivered to the landfill in 1975. He goes, it was put in a steel drum and buried with other barrels, bricks, and dirt. Interesting. Uh, when I die, I'm fully going to tell you some made-up shit. And you're going to be like, oh, fuck, I had no idea. That one of these ancient treasures, I know where the Lost Dutchman treasure is, everybody. <laughs> I'm just not going to tell you until my dying days. Um, so the FBI did get a search warrant for this landfill uh, they did not say if they found anything or not. Okay. Um, but supposedly we got this We got this big tip. But the case is still open. That's yeah. the easiest way to tell is if the case is still open yeah. and the Hoffa case remains open. And well, probably, because as we're going to talk about today, human remains are not as easy to find as you might, uh, I think, as we maybe aspire for them to be. We want it to be very easy to hey, find. Hey, look, they're right there. Hey, look, uh, we found them. <laughs> I, I plan on, if I'm on my deathbed, just going, the treasure is... And then just die in. Even if I don't actually die in that moment, I'll just be like, in Orion's belt. Orion's belt. I just like, like the treasure. And I reach over and unplug my monitor. And, like, and they're like, you're clearly still like, no, I'm not. You guys should go. I think Caleb just tried to fake his death Find in the laziest the way possible. Dude, you're just here for a colonoscopy. You're 60 years old. You're not even at the hospital. I came over because you're late for work. 
<laughs> just in a recliner. <laughs> and I just unplug the TV. Dude, you're 32. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is where Bart Simpson ends up. This is one of those flash forwards. Or the post-COVID South Park. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. So, let's do a little fog before we get into the main story. Gotcha. We'll come in real hot. I don't know what this flag button does. Well, let's not find out. Yeah. <laughs> I figured it sets a waypoint, like like a marker, but <laughs> no, I don't know yeah, how you would waypoint? see it. I think it's. I think you can edit in this thing. Man, this really fucks up when it gets inside my voice. It's like doing whippets. Yeah, it's gonna. Oh. Make, that's what it sounds like. It's gonna make me fucking hoarse because it's a glycol. <laughs> no, you're a person. Yeah, but glycol's not. <laughs> I don't know how that'd make you into a horse. You are what you eat, man. I mean, I did fall asleep during Sorry to Bother You, so maybe that's how they got <laughs> turned into those creatures. Gosh, I, didn't really... I woke up when there were already horse people, and I was like, this movie. Man. I did. It freaked me out. I fell asleep, and when I woke up, they were horse people, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Ivermectin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Horse yeah. goo. I'm so glad that turned into, like, usable for that meme. All right, so in our main story today, we are taking a sidestep from modern cases and I think is a proper digestivo to Thanksgiving after that big meal. Uh, the most appropriate thing to talk about is a bunch of colonials <laughs> going missing. So yeah. today we're talking about the lost colony of Roanoke. You have probably heard even, I mean, some people learn about it a little bit in school, mm-hmm. uh, but the lost colony of Roanoke we'll get into in just a moment, but all you really need to know, the brass tax is that it was 115, 100, right? 115, yeah. Give or take. People on the manifest, anyway, that were on a ship, dropped off to be colon, to colonize America in the 1500s, and were gone yeah. uh, when they were checked back in on. But why don't you give them a much more detailed... <laughs> so, the lost colony of Roanoke wasn't the first colony there. The no. first colony there was the Lane Colony. Yep. Um, More like the lame colony. And uh, it was the first colony in Virginia. So it was planned to be this huge military operation focused on exploration and evaluation of natural resources before they <laughs> evaluation sent... Evaluation of evaluation, natural resources. Um, before they sent even more colonists It should it. be made clear that uh, if... Depending on what you know about Thanksgiving, uh, I don't celebrate it. I don't observe it. Uh, I don't think it's anything to celebrate. The idea that anyone was coming here for religious freedom or the idea that they were coming here as the byproduct of anything other than a plan to colonize the U.S. Yeah. is wrong. There was The Mayflower was sent here intentionally. It was sent here after a failure to make it. And today's case is going to be a good example of colonizers <laughs> trying very hard to make it seem like something much easier than it was was very difficult, and it's because they were just dog shit at it. Yeah. Um, so this... Voyage was supposed to drop off 69 colonists. Nice. nice. Um, but they were like, we need more people with this. You know, we can't just send the 69 colonists. We need exploration. We need evaluation. Let's send 600 people. They're like, we're going to send uh, about 70 normal people. They're like, yeah, but what about the guns and all the people to steal all the land? And they're like, oh, we'll probably need about another 540 people for that. So, with all those people, um, half of them were intended to stay and set up different colonies. 69 were supposed to stay to set up the main colony, and the rest were supposed to explore, come back, and go back to England. Well, Ralph Lane was the appointed governor. That's why it's called Lane Colony. Um, He was put in charge of the colony, but not put in charge of the expedition. The expedition (laughs) was Richard Grenville, um, and he... This feels like, if you guys haven't, definitely go listen to our episode... 
on the sinking of the Santa Maria. It's a really great Thanksgiving episode. Uh, but you'll learn a lot about how the politics of this stuff worked. Like Christopher Columbus, while in charge of the expedition, was not in charge of any of the ships, was yep. not in charge of the guys. And we you learn a lot about it, and you find out that's kind of why the ship sank. So Grenville was in charge of all the, uh, the whole fleet and all of the soldiers, where you had uh, Lane in charge of all the co- uh, colonists. Sure. And then you had seven ships in the fleet, and you had some notable civilians as well. The notable notable civilians were a metallurgic uh, metallurgist, my bad, Joaquin Gaines, uh, a scientist Thomas Harriet, and an artist John White. John White's going to be important yep. character later in the story. Yes, he will. Uh, and then Manteo and Wanchesi uh, were natives that were already brought back to England, and then were taken back. As these weird ass ambassador, yeah. Uh, to clarify that a little bit, if you guys know anything about the core of discovery, um, which was Lewis and Clark and Sacagawea, yeah, that's how it's pronounced. It's not Sacagawea; it's Sacagawea. Uh, Sacagawea was with them, but she was as much a prisoner as she was a guide. Like these people were definitely they were paraded around like pets. Yeah, you know, asked to wear traditional dress in presence of the queen, not allowed. To wear modern dress. A lot of people don't understand the politics of that, but for a long time, natives weren't allowed to wear traditional clothing. It had to be modern clothing. It had to be French or European clothing of some kind. I say French because that's where button-up shirts come from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was it to be paraded around like that is an indicator that you're being shown off. And it was sort of their way to be like, hey, look, this is my native friend. I can say the N-word, you know what I mean? <laughs> the N-word as a native. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, the seven ships were the Tiger, uh, the Roebuck, the Red Lion, the Elizabeth, the Dorothy, and two small, uh, two smaller ships that didn't have names. I like that there are always all these ex, uh, expedition ship names are all like this because they're just like, as we learned from the core discovery, they basically just like pick diff- or from sorry from Columbus, they just sort of go and pick ships based on eminent domain. Mm-hmm. So probably somebody owned like Elizabeth and Dorothy and they're like, we'll take those two ships and you, the red lion mm-hmm. will have that. So you've got like this suicide squad the destroyer of ships. and Susie Lou <laughs> yeah, exactly. and big dick energy <laughs> <laughs> Island time. So on April 9th, 1585, the fleet depart Plymouth. What do you think the boat parades for? Tr- you think they're like that? <laughs> they're like three percenter <laughs> Island time. Two margaritas. Rather be fishing. (laughs) (laughs) So they go out. uh, They get to the rendezvous point. They go around the Caribbean. um, And they're supposed to meet up in Puerto Rico, the northern tip of Puerto Rico. Or southern tip of Puerto Rico, my bad. And none of them meet at the rendezvous point at the right time. (laughs) So they're trying to figure out what's going on. Did he say six? Did he say say? I think he said seven. Did he say eight? And finally, the tiger gets there May 11th and is awaiting the rest of the ships. It was way faster than all the other ships. Well, yeah, it's the tiger. So it gets there, and they're like, well, let's make up a base camp. Uh, we have to defend ourselves. The Anglo-Saxon War is going out, or is coming up to a head, which plays a bigger part into the story later. But they're like, we need to set up against Spanish forces. They might try to bombard us or sneak attack us. So they're setting these things up, and they realize that, we lost a ship. <laughs> They're doing the headcounts like home alone. Yeah. They're on the plane halfway. And just like, I think something's wrong. Did you leave the did you leave the garage open? Yeah. 
Kevin! <laughs> so what they did is they started building a new ship, um, forging nails, sawing local lumber to make a new ship. And eight days later, the Elizabeth shows up. And the fort's already built, and the new ship's already built. And they're like, sick, two of us are here. Where's the rest? They never arrived. <laughs> so the rest of the ships um, all had difficulties near Jamaica and ran out of supplies, sending 20, uh, 20 members of each of their crews onto land trying to get supplies. The Red Lion left 30 men on a Croatoan island. Um, they just decided to go to Newfoundland. <laughs> the ship did. It was like, you guys stay here. We're fucking ditching, guys. Um, Grenville established content, uh, contact with local Spanish authorities, and they're like, hey, can we have a stalemate, man? We're dying here. <laughs> and they're like... No. <laughs> and when they said they never got back to him, and he's like, oh, they're probably going to attack us. Yeah. Um, so they set up. He was like, all right, guys, we're going like to. You're trying to negotiate with your cat, and you're like, are you going to bite me? Are you going to bite me? And the cat doesn't say anything. It's like, are you, it doesn't do Oh, uh, you're going to bite me. <laughs> uh, so they decide to go. Grenville's like, all right, guys, well, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to take what rest of the fleet we have, these three ships, one that we had to build when we got here, <laughs> yeah. abandon this fort, and hopefully make my way back to England to try to get some support. He gets captured by two Spanish <laughs> ships. Uh, he, then, for help. he then takes over those Spanish ships and adds them to his fleet, and he's like, sick, now i got five boats. <laughs> he keeps on going. Um, it is now June 26, and the Tiger... Hits a sandbank, losing all of the food and almost capsizing the ship. Yikes. So he's like, hell yeah, win for me. Hell uh, no. Lots for me. Hell no. Do you think there was like an argument that morning between whoever's in charge of the pantry and the captain? And he was like, no, I want to clean this morning. Do you think I can bring all the food up on the deck? And he was like, yeah, I don't see why that would be too much of a problem. <laughs> and they just have it all sitting on the deck. <laughs> so he decides fine, I'm going back to England. This colony is a lost fucking cause. <laughs> he tries to make his way back. He gets contact. He's like, hey, I left some people at this colony. They need help. He makes. Uh, he meets up with Sir Francis Drake, who is on his way back from England from an actual successful campaign. Well, because he was actually successful. <laughs> and he did the same thing with Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, hey, man, I need your help. And he goes, oh, yeah, no problem. Let me send you... With this boat, it is the Francis. It's named after me. I call him Lil Frankie. I'll pack it full of supplies. I'll give it to you. You can take it back to the colony, and you guys can survive. And he goes, thank you so much. We'll actually be able to survive and colonize this area. So he takes the Francis back. He he docks it on the shore, and a hurricane approaches, and there's a... <laughs> yoink! Yoinks it right up. Yoinks and they're the like... Frankie back to sea. Awesome. So... <laughs> Everyone decides to get on Drake's fleet. They're like, we got nothing else left here. We're fucking dying. We haven't had food for months. We just need to leave. So they packed up what little they had, got onto Drake's fleet, went back to England, and reached England in July of 1586. This all happened in a year. <laughs> it's a brutal fucking year, man. Um, but that, Well, I've been hungry for about six months in the last year. Uh, with that... The colonists did introduce tobacco, corn, and potatoes to England yeah. on that way back. So that happened. <laughs> <laughs> we did give them those things. England was like, oh, man, we're going to get crippling cigarette addictions and make the world's blandest food with this shit. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much. We gave them so much shit and they did nothing with it. Um, three 
of Lane's colonists were left behind and never heard from again. <laughs> and they're like, that shit was on purpose. Yeah. Um, Drake had they're like, a- send them out for water, send them out for water. And they're like, Hey, aren't we leaving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just go get some more. We need a little water before we go. <laughs> uh, Drake had acquired a bunch of refugees and slaves on his journeys as well. And he was like, well, I was supposed to leave them at this colony, but there's now no colony to leave them here. He goes, no one really knows what happened to them. They never came back to England. They weren't with them when they came back to England. And there's no documentation of what happened. Uh, What many people believe is that Drake just kind of left them there with some supplies and was like, I guess you guys are free now. My bad. Jesus, man. Yeah. Fuck. So that's that brutal. is the first failed colony. That's the yeah. Lane colony. Yeah, to be clear that Roanoke was not the first time that somebody <laughs> had tried very unsuccessfully to capture this island. So. And just so everybody knows, it's a little island right off the coast of North Carolina. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, what is now known I know as that's the a Outer real, Banks. That's a real mind fuck. But that's, mm-hmm. every time I think of that, I'm like, how? And I'm like, oh yeah, Bermuda's right there. And so is Bahamas. Like, that really fucks me up. If it's not... It, like, can't be an island if it's above the bottom of Florida. Yeah. You know, the keys are, like, the north for me. Um, So, they come back from this colossal failure. Yeah. And they said, you know, what if we give it another try? Um, <laughs> You're no longer in charge. Because that was the problem. Yeah. yeah. They're like, Lane, you're fuck out of here. Yeah, you're out. you don't know what you're doing. They said, you know who we should send? That handsome painter. Handsome painter, John White. <laughs> so they're like, White, you're in charge. Roanoke Island might not be safe for us. <laughs> Go paint it like one of your French girls. So they decide to send another fleet of 115 to join the uh, this party, the city of Raleigh. As we now know. As we now know. It. Raleigh, South Carolina. Yeah. Um, so they send them all the way there, and they're like, ah, oh, cool. They land... Uh, everything's fine. They have three ships: the Lion, the uh, the Witch, Fernandez, and the Wardrobe, and uh, unnamed Pinnacle. They loved sending unnamed Pinnacles. <laughs> They're like Pinnacles were the size where I guess it didn't matter if they had a name. But when we talked about Columbus, fucking the apparently both the Nina and the Santa Maria were like tiny little mm-hmm. single mass ships. Yeah, these ships were apparently even smaller. <laughs> I think it's funny that they're like, oh, we didn't make it across the ocean. Dude, you tried to do it in a fucking canoe. A pontoon. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> we didn't make it. No shit. So on July 22nd, the flagship and one of the pinnacles anchored at Croatoan Island, and White was like, hey, 40 of you guys plus me, we're going to go and we're going to take another pinnacle to Roanoke. Because at first they were like, Roanoke can't be safe. Uh, Lane's men kind of fucked up the situation there with the indigenous people. Yeah. We're not on good terms. I don't think we can settle there. Sort of a shoot on sight with the indigenous. So uh, White and these 40 men were like, all right, let's go see. We're going to go check it out. Scope it out. See if everything's all right. Um, 15 of you guys stay with uh, Grenville and you consult and see what goes on. And so they go board the pinnacle. And a person stops the captain, uh, Fernandez, of the Pinnacle, and he goes, hey, man, we should just leave him there. <laughs> and he does. This happens all the fucking time. <laughs> yes. It happens so often. When this 
fucking Santa Maria. I know I keep bringing it up, but it's fun to talk about, and it's very relevant because it's we're just talking about colonists getting fucked up by their own hubris. But when they turned that into Navidad, the little settlement, mm-hmm. you know, like they insisted that it was cursed. No, they were just dog shit at all of diplomacy. You know, like they came over with Christianity and all their stupid rules and their judgments, and they were like, "You can't do that." And you're like, "What? Me? Are you fucking talking to me? What are you doing here?" It's like having somebody in your house who all of a sudden's like, "You can't eat that." I, Buddy, what the fuck are you doing in my house? I've been eating this for 30 years. Yeah, but I don't like the way you ate it, so you can't do that anymore. And it's like, how did you get here? My boss says that you're fucked if you keep doing that. Your boss who? Who the fuck's your boss? Wait, the other guy with the dumb hat? That guy? Hey, man, your boss says you can't eat that. No, my boss is right behind me. No, 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 man, you don't understand. Um, We took one of you guys a couple years back, and we just made him your boss now. And they're like, which actually did happen. Yeah, we should actually probably get <laughs> yeah. into that. Yeah. Um, Mateo, uh, the guy that I mentioned earlier, when they were on their way back to do the Lost Colony of Roanoke, they just kind of appointed him the leader of the Croatoans. Yeah, which was, so, you know, there are, there are two islands and tribes there, one of which he belongs to the Roanoke tribe, mm-hmm. he does not belong to the Croatoan tribe, uh, and they tried to assimilate the two tribes, say that they could just live together, they gave him their own name, uh, and appointed him in charge of them which is, other than the Uncle Tom implications for him, is just like the silliest, most fuck... How much of a maniac do you have to be to show up to somebody's country and be like, oh, okay, so it appears there's two groups here? Let's make it one. Well, you guys just... I know we don't know anything about you. I don't know your name or your name or your name or your name, and I couldn't pronounce any of them, but here's my big white guy idea. I think you guys should get together. I think there should be a merger, and I think we should... No wonder they just got stabbed in the face constantly. Hey, guys, uh, we're merging these companies, and this guy's your new boss. And it's like, the guy from the from the mailroom is now the CEO? Yeah, no, man, he kind of did whatever charge, we wanted to do. So um, we just kind of made him the leader. You guys figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen, and it didn't happen. It didn't work. No. He wasn't respected at all. No. So the following morning, White's party uh, found Lane's colony. The fort, the outside fort, had been dismantled. And the houses were still there, but they were completely empty and covered in melons. <laughs> just titty houses abound. They're just boobies all over the house. The the melon vines grew up and around the uh, houses, caused substantial damage. None of Grenville's men, uh, there are no signs that any of Grenville's men had ever been there. Which is the super weird thing that kind of plays into it. Uh, they did find some human bones. They did believe that uh, it was someone killed by indigenous people. Well, no but, shit. Yeah, no yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, they just found a set of bones, though. Yeah. One set One of bones. One set of bones for 100 plus people. So the next couple of days, it's July 25th, one of the flyboats show up and the, all the colonists disembark. And they set up, they <laughs> start gathering up food. And being like, okay, so the first party's got to go. You got to make it look nice. You got to clean it up. Listen, the last people who stayed in this Airbnb, they made a real mess of it, and I'm pretty sure they killed themselves. So you're going to need to take some time, and they're, like, trying to clean it up. He's, like, polishing a skull, and they're, like, the colonists are here, and he's, like, oh, sh- oh shit, he, like, tucks it under his shirt. No, everything was perfectly fine. They're great. They're great. They're, um, they're in heaven. They're, uh, they're doing really good. So they get there, they start setting up, and they're starting to get supplies, and a colonist by the name of George Howe is, like, you know, I could go for some crap. So he ventures off alone and gets killed by indigenous people. They're like, dude, what the fuck? We killed you guys already. What are you doing? He's like, I'm just stealing your stuff. <laughs> yeah, could, you imagine, could you imagine? It's been like, a, you know, months. 
all the white people are dead, all the colonists are dead, and you're just <laughs> is down there fishing. You're like, oh fuck, fuck, fuck! It's like when you see a bed bug again in your house, or or like a fruit fly in a kitchen. It's like, like I killed all of these. Yeah, where'd you come from? God damn it! Get the traps out. So, uh, Cronin described how the coalition of mainland tribes uh, had attacked Greenville's detachment, and they're like, yeah, man, you just kind of left them here. And they got real pissed at us for some reason for being left here. So they attacked us and we killed them back. Like, you guys left them with no shit and we've lived here forever. We killed them. Fair Sorry. Is fair. This is our house. Yeah. Uh, so the colonists attempted to negotiate a truce, uh, but they didn't get a response. They, like, sent out a thing, that the fucking newsletter that's like, hey, there was a little pamphlet that opened up and said, you want to be friends? Yes, no. And they just crinkled it up and threw it away. I think it was much more of a, like, they went to go shake hands, like, in in person, and the colonist was like, I'll shake your hand. And the native guy was like, can I see your other hand? And he was like, oh, you don't need to see my other hand. Just shake my hand. He's like, I'm pretty sure your fingers are crossed, bud. I can, will you show me your other hand? <laughs> no, no. I just see it as being significantly more immature. But yeah, I love, I choo-choo-choose you to be my indentured servants. So this was with the Roanoke tribe that they were trying to set all this stuff up with. So on August 9th, White led a preemptive strike against the leader of the Roanoke tribe. And they were already worried that there was going to be a strike because they killed the crabs, crab colonists. I was going to say, also, to be clear, pre- a preventative strike? You mean they attacked them first? Yes. Yeah. Preemptive is yeah. what I said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they were already There's worried. There's no a preemptive strike. That's the most fucking American war revisionism shit. Like, we hit them first, mm-hmm. but we had to. But they were already worried that they were going to be an attack for the death of Howell, the the crab colonist. Yes. So they left their village. They're like, they're probably going to kill us because we killed that guy. We should probably head out uh, so they don't come kill us. And they did. And Croatoan looters came into the village being like, they left all their shit here and we don't get along with them either. Let's steal their stuff. <laughs> well, White and all of his men show up and they're like, oh, well, they're those guys and killed them. So now they got beef with the Croatoans, too. <laughs> and so everybody knows. I'll, I guess I could put up a little graphic. But right off the coast, Croatoa's island chain sort of is on the outside of the Roanoke Island. Roanoke sits between Croatoa and the mainland. So that's a terrible enemy to have. Yeah. Like, you're already, I mean, you're already in a shitty place. But you could have, like, taken a moment, maybe asked them to identify themselves. You know? It's such a, like... It's such a like kind of racist thing to be like, oh, they're all the same. Shoot them. No, now you got two beefs, bud. So <laughs> this caused tension between the Croatoans and the colonists. And uh, Menteo was like, let me smooth this over. Good old hey, man. guys, we're sorry. And it kind of worked. They're like, we get it. We don't, but we get it. <laughs> and that is when the colony was like, hey, man, you're the Lord of Roanoke now. And then everyone was like, wait, you just made... This guy, the Lord of Roanoke? Do you know how fucked that is, dude? And they just let, they're like, all right, whatever. We're just going to do our own thing. You guys do your fucking own thing. Sure, have your own native Lord of Roanoke. We're not going to listen to him. (laughs) Um, And then time goes on. August 18th, 1587, uh, Eleanor Dare gave birth to a daughter uh, named Virginia in honor of being the first person, the first person. Listen to this English bullshit. The first person born in Virginia. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's not called Virginia. Yeah. Um, and she 
Another woman, Margaret Harvey, gave birth shortly after. Uh, nothing's known about her child. It wasn't a noteworthy child. No one remembers the second, the baby, second born. baby born in Virginia. So, as this is all going on, the fleet is preparing to return to England um, because they wanted to relocate, but they didn't have supplies to relocate. So, White was like, hey, we're going to return. Can we return to England uh, to tell them about our situation and hopefully get some help? And White was like, yeah, sure, and left on August 27th, 1587, to go get help from England. And that was the last time that those hundred and I guess hundred and fourteen well no, there's two new there's two new ones. There's now. two so 116, 116 little motherfuckers were ever seen. Yes. So White and Grenville uh decide to go up back to England. And at this time a Spanish armada was mobilizing for an attack. They made their way to London. <laughs> so the uh, Queen Elizabeth was like, hey, um, if you were a ship in England, you cannot leave. You have to protect yep. England. Yep, yeah, you have to defend England. So the Anglo-Saxon War, these guys get back to try. Like, hey, hey, listen, we get it. We'll be right back with supplies. We've calmed down the natives. We'll get out of here. We'll be right back. And then they go to be right back. And like, ooh, ooh. So mom says we can't come back? I, I don't know. Grow some corn. Yeah, so uh, Grenville was granted a waiver to lead a fleet into the Caribbean to attack the Spanish. And um, White was permitted to actually accompany him in a resupply ship. But then everything broke out, and they're like, hey, you have to stay and defend England. And they're like, oh, shit. And then the wind started picking up, and, like, ships were being knocked around left and right. They're like, fuck, we really can't leave now. (laughs) And so things just keep happening and happening and happening. Finally, there were two uh, small ships in Grenville's fleet, the Brave and the Row, that were deemed unsuitable for combat. And so White was permitted to take them to Roanoke. They're like, we'll pack you up with supplies. This ship can't even fight. It's fine. Just go back to your colony that you left behind. It's like being given an old nag to ride home. So the ship departs on April 22nd, and the captain of the ship attempt to capture several Spanish ships on their way back, which seems like a dumb thing to do. He's trying to replicate the success that they had had with the Lane Colony, you see. (laughs) On May 6th, they were attacked by uh, some French pirates, near Morocco, and two dozen of the crew were killed. Wow. And the supplies bound for Roanoke were looted. Yeah, no shit. There's 24 guys who got killed. So the ship turns around and heads back to England. (laughs) Finally, the Spanish Armada is defeated in August. England maintained the ban on shipping in order to focus efforts on organizing a counter-armada to attack Spain in 1589. So they're like, guys, the war is over for right now. They're like, sick, can these ships leave to take supplies to places? They said, no, we're going to attack them now. (laughs) So White is still just stuck here and is not permitted. An artist. This man was an artist. This man was an artist and also the governor of this colony that he left behind now two years ago (laughs) in an attempt to get supplies and come back. Can you imagine needing a sandwich for two years? No, you can't because you'd be dead after a couple months. So White was not given permission to go back until 1590. Woof. He That's left three years. He left 1587, was not granted permission to go back until 1590. Okay. So he's like, hey, guys, we're dying of starvation here. I'm going to go get more stuff so we can eat. And they're like, yeah, no problem. See you in a couple months. And he's like, yeah, see you in a couple months. Yeah, in a, a couple months. <laughs> Roughly 36 of them. <laughs> so eventually... 
White gets passage on a privateering expedition organized by John Watts, uh, the director of all three new Spider-Man movies. Yes. Uh, And the fleet of six ships would spend the summer of 1590 raiding Spanish outposts in the Caribbean, but when they would get close enough, uh, flagship Hopewell and the Moonlight would split off to take White to his colony. (laughs) At the same time, (laughs) Rayleigh was in the process of turning the venture over to new investors. (laughs) New management? So, the Hopewell... So what happened to the colonists of Roanoke was new management? (laughs) Finally, the Hopewell and Moonlight anchored uh, at the Croatoan Island on August 12th. Oh, they're almost there. They're almost there. And on the evening of August 15th, while anchored, um, they saw plumes of smoke (laughs) coming from Roanoke Island. And they're like, oh, let's go check it out tomorrow. They go. They see nothing. They're like, we have no clue where the smoke's coming from. Well, it's like, uh, again, I'm going to bring it up again, but just the similarities. With Navidad, when Christopher Columbus came back after the Santa Maria sank, he was like, no, my friends, everything will be great. You'll see. We've set up an incredible uh, community here in Haiti. We, we have no problems. You'll see. And then he shows up with people behind him and is like, fuck, where is everything? <laughs> <laughs> so they set up their own smoke signal. It goes up. They see another one. Uh, same place. Go up. So they're like, oh, cool. There's obviously something there. Somebody's living there. So they make their way over. They spend the night in their anchored boats singing English songs and hope that the colonists would hear, being like, hey, guys, we're on our way. They land. They heard you. They make landfall on August 18th. Virginia's third birthday. Oh. (laughs) You know, the first person born in Virginia. Virginia. It's now her third birthday. (laughs) They finally make landfall. This girl can walk now. Uh, No one's there to meet them. Not even her. No one's there to meet them. They find fresh tracks in the sand, but aren't contacted by anyone. And so they keep going up, and they see a tree with Croatoan carved into it. And then they see a a fence post with C-R-O carved into it. They're like, oh, that's weird. They keep walking to where this colony is supposed to be. And it's not. It's not there. <laughs> um, they found uh, what used to be houses that were taken down. Yep. Um, they also, that anything that could have been carried was carried. It was gone. Yep. Anything that wasn't nailed down was just mm-hmm. gone. Several large tree trunks um, were there. And then he when, he, when White left, he buried a bunch of his stuff to try to keep it safe because sure. he didn't know how long he was going to be gone. Three. Um, that stuff had been dug up and looted as well. (laughs) None of the colony's boats were found along the shore. The party uh, returned to the Hopewell that evening, hoping to make a plan and going over to uh, the Croton Island to see if they were there. They went over there. No one there as well. This entire colony disappeared without a trace. Nowhere to be found. And since then, bodies have not been found. The remains have not been found. Uh, no bones. There have been fragments, and we'll get it now that we're going to get into the theories of what might yeah. have happened. So these people all go missing. They come back. They're gone. They realize that they're gone. And from there on out, the mystery has continued up until today. Um, again, the bodies have yet to be found. There haven't been any remains found of these people. Um, there have been pottery shards that have been found on both the Croatoan Island and on Roanoke, um, as well as inland, which we'll get into in a little bit. But given the area and the time, that's not the best indicator that people live there at that point. You know yeah. what I mean? 
Because if that was the case, I just feel like you'd probably have, I don't know, something a little more. Because the things they find are like little pieces of copper for garments or, you know, a piece of a bowl or something. I would imagine something more substantial. And I know that it's ironic to say that because they were quite literally waiting for those supplies to come. But, I mean... It's commonly (laughs) traded items, too. Yeah. And those are like bowls and stuff. Those were commonly traded with the locals because bowls bowls cups stuff like that were all things that indigenous people had they just valued them because those were things they could actually use don't really care about gems and shit but i can use a bowl yeah i'll I'll take your bowl from you saves me having to make one well then that now we're on to our theories right so what could have happened what happened to the lost colony of roanoke so we've got 115 people who were stranded for, you know, three years, but they weren't there for three years. They were probably stranded for a year max. Yeah. So first and most obvious theory, Occam's Razor, they were slaughtered by the natives. Yes. Uh, the locals had had enough of their shit and had had conflicts with them to begin with. Uh, again, the historical precedent with um, La Navidad in Haiti and what happened and the city that they would go on to uh, found after La Navidad with the Santa Maria's wreckage you know both of those places became basically considered to be cursed by locals Mm -hmm. because of the nature of how the people came to be there and what they did when they arrived so yeah it wouldn't surprise me at all however i i think it's probably in my best interest to fight against the uh barbarian savage stereotype here i don't think that's what happened i think if if the local natives did uh eliminate them i would imagine they had perfectly good reason to do so i don't think that uh, there was any, like, barbaric savagery. You know, when those people came over, they assumed that they would be able to overtake the locals because they thought that we were all cavemen um, because we didn't wear stupid little floppy hats and the dumb little shoes and all that belt buckle shit. We just dressed the clothes that we needed. Um, and that made them think that we're cavemen. It's the same way that people look at Amazonian tribes. We're all human beings. And there might be a context of technology that's missing, but back then, it was literally firearms. You know, you had industrialized individuals coming into a non-industrialized area, assuming that they were a higher class of human being and that they were being sent there by their boss. Yeah. So you want to tell me that the annoying guy at work doesn't, you don't want to strangle him sometimes. You know what I mean? What if you could, what if you could wait till the middle of the night and you could just round up all the annoying people and set their house on fire? Yeah. I don't know. That seems most plausible, but this is the acid cat spirit hour. So we've talked about that. Now we're going to talk about what let's talk about the weird supernatural. Yeah, absolutely. So theory one, uh, this is a theory that was brought up in a TV show called Haven. Um, and that is Croatoa is actually the name of an ancient monster that lives in the outer banks. And the monster devoured all of them. That's very, uh, Cthulhu. That's very Lovecraftian that they, uh, they carved it into it. Uh, as a way to hopefully there's a bunch of different theories when it comes to this one. One of them is that them writing Croatoa was them summoning him, uh, thinking that it would actually bring them goodwill. Instead, it just devoured all of them. And that's why they only got halfway through the second time writing it and then attempts to dispel it. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. That's a fun one though. It's a fun one. Yeah. Is it like a sea monster in that story? Is it Um, like Cthulhu? It is like, I don't think they like ever show monster. it, but I think it's more of like a woods monster. Like a yeah. 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 Like a weird, like deer esque, big beast creature. Um, another one uh, brought forth by American Horror Story, Roanoke, yep. is the Witch of the Woods. Yeah, that it was the Witch of the Woods, Lilith, the Witch of the Woods. Curses, curses them, and they all disappear to be spirits wandering the area. Um, one of our personal favorite theories 
zombie plague. <laughs> yeah, well, so there has been evidence found of cannibalism on the island, um, on both Croatoan and on Roanoke. I don't know that that necessarily implies zombies per se. That's a funny idea. There's, you know, there, there's an outspoken theory by uh, you have to be a self-professed zombie expert. I don't think you can be a, <laughs> I don't think anybody else says that. Uh, a university certainly doesn't. Um, that, yeah, alleges that that was the only real zombie outbreak that happened, that it happened down there, um, and that that's what caused everybody to be gone. The biggest hole with it being a zombie outbreak, while there are signs of cannibalism, uh, there we haven't found other bodies. If they were zombies, as anybody who is... F okay, first of all, I can't believe I have to say this. Aliens are real. Ghosts are very likely. Um, Wookiees and other cryptids, also relatively likely. This shit's impossible. That's not actually possible. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to be that person, but I don't I don't know, man. I if they were first of all, zombies are quite literally impossible. And please by all means rip me apart in the comments and tell me how zombies are absolutely possible. But physiologically, I think that's a little bit too far. I also think we would see a big fucking pile of bones somewhere. Yeah. It's a small island. I mean, it's an island, right? Like I know everything's an island, but no man is an island. And that but Roanoke is. And so is Croatoan. So I don't know. I don't I don't know about that one. The boats not being found, none of their things being found. Uh one of my favorites is that it could have been uh uh passed on as a, uh, a mass UFO abduction, that mm -hmm. they could have abducted 115 people. And while I absolutely believe, we both absolutely believe in UFOs and alien life forms, and I think that they have visited us, that's bullshit. They didn't abduct 115 people, all their stuff and their boats. I mean, not to... <laughs> I know that it sounds kind of cuckoo to, like, logically analyze alien behavior, but no. that shit's never happened before. They rip cows inside out. They do all kinds of stuff. They have never taken 115 people in their cars. Yeah. You, nobody, nobody's car goes with them when they get abducted. You know what I mean? So that one, I don't know about that one. I, my honest, my honest to goodness thought, I think the Croatoans did it. I think they came in, they slaughtered everybody. And as a way to set it straight with the Roanoke, they were like, we did this. This is Croatoan land. This is our, like, we did this. We killed them. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever really get to know the true story because it just feels like somebody claiming their spot. Yeah. Like, this is ours. Uh, my personal theory is two-part. One, I think there was some cannibalism going on. I mean, you get any, any group of people stuck on an island for long enough without food. That's kind of what you have to resort to. But I think after a while, after they stopped eating people, they decided, well, help's not going to come get us. Let's go get help. So they took the ships they had left over, probably fixed them with the wood and stuff from the houses and the fort, went off to sea to go get help, and got lost at sea. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I could see them just being completely lost. Why do you think Croatoan's written on the tree? I, I think the same thing is that, uh, that you said at the end is the Croatoans actually went up, and once they saw that it was deserted, kind of just laid claim. Yeah, because, I mean, it had happened previous, you know, like, yeah. they'll come and rifle through your camp. And that stuff, those, a lot of those artifacts have been found on the Croatoa Island as well. Uh, I don't know, man. I there's I think there's a lot of room for conspiracy here because the bodies have never been found. And, I mean, where are they? Yeah. Where are the remains? Now, the ocean has also never been dug. And I think the idea that they maybe went further into the Caribbean or tried to go, you know, further, maybe back to England um, is a very, very, very likely story. However, one that I'm especially fond of is that that's not the direction they went. Yeah. They actually went inland. So there's a map. There was a map that was discovered. 
in the possession of the settlers that has a couple patches over it. And patches are relatively common in map making because it's a giant piece of permanent paper. Think about it that way. You know what I mean? Like you're going to work on this thing for years. It's like a painting. You're going to be able to touch it up. And they weren't always made of paper either. Sometimes they were made of canvas and stuff like that. Um, now there's a spot on that map inland that map has been described as the single most accurate piece of cartography from the 16th century. Now that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, if you lay it now down over, uh, not even a map, but just the actual physical cartography, say on Google Maps or something, it lines up incredibly well, uh, taking into consideration the swells of the water. Yeah, the natural uh, shoreline yeah. differences. Yeah, absolutely, that would have occurred as the water is going up. Um, and it's fascinating because there is a little patch that looks like it could be sitting over. So it's been recently investigated, and they've taken the patch off and have found that there could be a figure that resembles, it basically looks like a four-point star, and it resembles a, a cartographical image for a fort. Think about if you've ever played Risk. Yeah. That little thing, that's a fort. Uh, the weird little, yeah, <laughs> this one's just a four-pronged one. So it's the same idea, um, and the thought is they moved, they took their boats. It was, a, it was a very, very common practice at the time. It happened with the Santa Maria when it became La Navidad, where they would break a ship down, and then turn it into homes or a fort. And then often they'd break a fort down and turn it into a ship. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it would be unbelievable to think that they maybe packed up a bunch of their shit, took their fort walls down, took all that stuff down, and shipped it off. And we're like, well, the houses are too much to move. We'll leave those. Maybe they were in a hurry because maybe they were getting a lot of shit from their neighbors because they had been pretty shitty to their neighbors. So they were like, well, let's move further inland. We can't go that way. Yeah. So why don't we go that way? Because back then, that's kind of, you know, darted a, a map kind of thing. Well, they're making the map. So they go inland. And, yeah, there could have been a fort there. It's also been alleged that that might be uh, a symbol for the UFO that uh, abducted all of them. I don't think that that's the case. Because I just don't. It's Again, it's not that I don't believe people were aren't abducted by aliens. I think Travis Walton fucked the hell out of a bunch of handsome aliens. I think that shit's real. <laughs> I just think that's how it happens. I don't think that a starship came and took a bunch of people in their boats. I think that stuff's just been moved. And I think since then... The more investigation that happens with modern tools into the lost colony of Roanoke, the more anticlimactic the story gets because the more it seems clear, like, oh, yeah, they just got killed. Yeah. And for years, it's the lesson here, I think, is more that for years, through word of, word of mouth, there's been this idea invented that, yeah, colonization was tough, but it wasn't tough because the natives wanted to fucking murder everybody. It was tough because you were invading somebody's land without a military. Yeah. That's a hard fucking thing to do. So I, when America de decides to invade a country, we do it through the branch of our military, because it's kind of the only way you can do it. They were invading an already occupied land, and were saying, oh, fuck, it's really hard to live here. Yeah, it's fucking hard to play football on the freeway, too, because <laughs> it's dangerous as shit, and you should know better. Yeah. I don't know that living as a colonist was quite as difficult as described. I think life was harder, certainly. I don't think they had medical care. I don't think they had a lot of the things that they needed. But I don't think they also had the manners not to piss their neighbors off. So I think they probably did move inland. I think that's probably the most likely story. It, why is it on that map? It could have been speculative. They could have said, like, hey, we're going to build a fort there. But I have a feeling they... They were like, that's where we'll put it. We have this map. This map will take us to there. And then they built this fort and covered it up with a patch so that nobody knew where they were. Yeah. And I think eventually, over the course of those three years, that plan didn't work either. And I think their plant, their fort probably got sacked, destroyed, and they got all their shit stolen too. 
we won't really know until we can do in-depth 3D scans of, you know, the the land there and actually take samples and find these things without spending millions of dollars to dig up the entire area. No. We won't know the absolute truth, but the very likely truth is that they had a plan, whether they built that fort or not to go in inland. They didn't make it or they did make it, but they didn't make it by the time that white had come back with everybody. Yeah. So them going inland, I think makes a lot of sense. I also think that there was probably some, Disparate ideas. I bet some people probably, as things started falling apart, when you don't have a leader, what you do have is a lot of opinions. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that one boat full of opinions went that way to die, and one boat full of opinions went that way to die, and one boat full of opinions broke it down and made a shitty little fort, and they went that way to die. I have a feeling that they died a lot of different ways. I don't think they wrote Croatoan on that fence, and I don't think they wrote it on that tree. I think the Croatoans wrote it, and I think they put it there as, yeah, whether they were the ones who eliminated these uh, colonists or not, I think that they had something to do with the claimship of that land. I think they wanted to make it clear that this part is ours now. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but I don't, I don't know that it was a giant, I would love in my heart of hearts. I hope it was a giant sea monster or, you know, maybe it's like the Kentucky meat storm. Like we've talked about and it was a temporal rift and yeah, maybe they all fell through that. Maybe one guy was like, Hey guys, what's this hatch? What do you think this hatch goes to? And they were all gone. They were all eaten by a polar bear. <laughs> I don't know, man. But please, by all means, this is a big one. Leave what you think happened in the comments because this is a, you know, this is a story that's been with this country for, what, oh, 200 years now, 300 years? Yeah. You know, almost well, we're pushing four. So this is a, it's, it's described often as America's first real mystery. Uh, it's white America's first real mystery. It's not America's first real mystery. Uh, and the mystery is that, you're not supposed to live here. So <laughs> let us know what you think happened uh, in the comments. By all means, please have it out down there. Uh, we have a lot of opinions. I mean, if you do think it was a UFO and a, a mass um, abduction, tell me how I'm wrong. I'm happy to hear that shit. I yeah. just don't. It's too many people. I wouldn't put 115 <laughs> people on my ship. Can you even get, how does it, I mean, we. I wish we knew more about the technical specs of a UFO and a tractor beam. Can you even pick up 115 people? Maybe in a single file line. I want, fuck these stupid boring holes in spacecraft and stuff. Tractor beams. Why isn't anybody working on tractor beams? That'd be cool. John Deere, get on that. Now that you guys are unionized, I want a tractor, tractor beams. beams. <laughs> All right, well, uh, with that said, I re- I'm going to hand it over to you since it's Riddle O'Clock. Yeah, uh, so for the answer of the riddle, I'm going to do uh, the episode from two weeks ago, uh, the yeah. barber riddle. So guy walks into a small town, decides he wants a haircut, visits the first barber shop that is untidy. Guy is running around, has a bad haircut, goes to the second barber shop. Guy has a nice haircut, is clean cut, his shop's in pristine order, and he's just kind of waiting around. Guy immediately makes his decision. Who does he go to and why? It's the first barber. Yeah, he goes to the messy barber. Yeah. The, there's only two guys who cut hair in town, and the dude with the clean shop isn't busy, and the dude with the nice cut didn't give it to himself. So the thing about cobbler's children's shoes, it's been two weeks, and I still don't know what that... <laughs> leave that in the comments. I don't remember what it's supposed to be. The, the cobbler doesn't make his own shoes. That's what it is, right? Something like that. Cobbler's children don't wear their own shoes. I don't I don't know. Something about cobbler's children and not liking shoes. I don't know, man. Uh, I... Pies don't even wear shoes. Yeah. Um, this week's riddle actually has three possible solutions. Oh, shit. Uh, the ages of a father and son add up to 66. The father's age is the son's age reversed. How old are they? Ooh, nice. I Again, like these ones. Three possible answers. Leave them in the comments. Uh, extra points if you get all three. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what those extra points will be, but we'll decide at a f- further date. Who knows? And just a reminder... 
Oh yeah, we gotta give this away. We are gonna give this yeah, away we soon. We will fully give this away this week. We forgot we were gonna we had, as everyone who listens to us knows, we had no followers for a very long time. And we said we were going to give this away at 69. And we went from like 50 to 100 very quickly. Yes. So we're just going to go ahead and do it this week. We'll do it. Yeah. We'll do it tomorrow. We'll make a little video and this is, we'll send it to somebody. Yeah. One of our, one of our followers is going to get this. The uh, signed, sealed, original copy of Rush Hour. Whether it is one of our uh, YouTube subscribers or one of our Twitter followers, yep. we'll decide that. We'll make a little video and we will give this away. Absolutely. Well, until then, y'all. We love you. Thanks for joining us. Sorry it was kind of a weird week. We'll see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.